Today's episode of Ask Firebug Fridays is brought to you by our good friends at Self Wealth. If you've been thinking about buying some ETFs, listed investment companies, or individual shares, you need to set yourself up with a broker. I personally use Self Wealth because of the rock bottom brokerage fee of $9.50, no matter what the size of the trade. If you're looking to trade on the ASX, Self Wealth is a fantastic chess sponsored option. Save yourself unnecessary brokerage fees and sign up with Self Wealth today. You can score five free trades by signing up using aussiefirebug.com forward slash self wealth. Start your journey towards fire by investing in assets that produce a passive income. The secret to getting ahead is getting started. Take action now, use your free trades and become one step further towards financial independence so you can retire early. That's aussiefirebug.com forward slash self wealth for your five free trades. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Arcs Firebug Fridays, the weekly fire Q&A where you guys get to submit your questions and I try my best to answer them. Can you believe we are in December already? It's going to be the end of 2018 before we know it. Heading into 2019, I swear the years are just speeding up lately and everything is just coming so quickly. Sometimes it's good to stop and reflect what you've been through and achieved during the last year. I usually do a wrap-up post about everything that's happened in the last 12 months at the end of December, which I'll do again this year. Um, but yeah, just crazy. 2019 is almost here. 2020 will probably be here before we know it as well. Just insane. Anyway, on to today's episode. We have got a great one today. We're talking about investing or saving for a home loan uh, versus investing, can you do it at the same time? What's the better um, thing to do when you're looking to do both? We're also talking about um, investing in personal name versus trust. We had a similar question last week, but we're going into it a little bit again this week. Uh, and also, we're going to look at ETFs and listed investment companies and how they can differ in the market when the market um, goes up and down, even though some ETFs and listed investment companies cover the same assets or they're invested in the same stocks roughly, they can actually have um, different fluctuations in their pricing. And I just go a little bit about my view on that and try to explain what's happening there. So let's get into the episode. Nothing in this episode is financial advice. The following Q&A are for general information only and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should always do your own research when making any financial decisions. Our first question for today comes in from Amy. Amy writes in, Hi, Firebug. Loving the content and hearing all the great questions from listeners on Fridays. Keep up the great work. I'm hoping to hear your opinion on what you would do if you were in my shoes. My husband and I are 36 with a two and a half year old and thinking about expanding our family because, you know, by this point, sleep is a distant memory anyway. We've got a nice emergency fund zero debt and have just started to invest in ETFs. Super is currently sitting at about 150k. Right now, we're very fortunate to have free housing, but are keen to get our own place as we can't stay here forever. We keep going back and forth between what's best to do, which is where I'm curious to hear what you have to say. We're currently saving towards a house deposit and are looking to have about $100,000 saved before we buy in South Australia. 
Until we reached that goal, in approximately two years, our plan was to only invest about 5000 a year into ETFs, but we're not sure if we should beef up that amount we're investing instead of saving so aggressively for the house, because we've had investing on pause for two years while we cleaned up the debt and got an emergency fund together. One other thing that drives me nuts is the brokerage fee with such a small quarterly trade, but hey, what can you do? I plan to get on to using self-wealth this month. What do you think you would do in our position and why? Amy. Thank you, Amy, for that great question. My first observation is you are in a fantastic position for someone in their mid-30s with a child. You got no debt. You have an emergency fund. You got a super balance of over $100,000 and you're looking to invest and save more for a house deposit. So, Kudos for you guys, uh, to you guys, first of all, really, really um, well set up in your position at such a young age. Now, the other thing I just want to touch on, the free housing accommodation, I got no idea how you're scoring free accommodation. I'm guessing you've moved back in with your parents, but that's just a guess. Um, Financially speaking, stay there as long as possible or keep doing whatever you're doing as long as possible. That's purely from a financial point of view. Of course, you don't have to pay rent or you know um, a loan, but in real life, it's pr- there's probably other factors contributing to that situation that make it not the best um, situation, especially with a with a child and everything like that. You you do want to get into your own home eventually, but just yeah, save as much as you can. One one of the best things I ever did in my life, and one of the biggest contributions um, to our net worth now is that. I stayed home till I was 26 and Mrs. Firebug stayed home till she was about 25 or 24 like that. And that we saved a whole bunch of money during that time. So, um, you know, everyone has certain advantages, disadvantages, but if you can, you know, get, do it while you can and you're in that um, situation, grab that, grab that opportunity and save and invest as much money as possible. Which brings me to the next point, which is, and this is a common question that a lot of people ask, and I can understand why. It's, do we keep saving for a house deposit, or if they've already got a loan, do we keep paying off the loan, or do we invest instead? Now, I would say for nine out of 10 people, the easier option is to just save the money up and buy, get the house, you know, get the home of your dreams and uh, get that sorted, and, or if you've already got a loan, I just pay down the loan. It's it's guaranteed return on whatever interest rate you're paying. It's very very simple. is It's not complex at all. It's uh, you're never ever going to lose by paying off your debts. It's like a proven strategy. You cannot lose. Whereas if you go the investing path, statistically speaking, you should earn more money than you save in interest repayments and principal repayments. That is technically correct. And that is what we are doing. But I've got no idea of about your whole situation or, um, you know, how you deal with stress, how you deal with the markets tanking, stuff like that. So if I was in your shoes, I would personally just save up for the deposit, buy the home, pay it off and then start start my investing journey afterwards. That's what I would do if I was in your position. But 
if you've been putting off investing for, you said, two years in your question, and I know this this plays on people's mind, they feel as though they can never start getting ahead because all they're doing is they're, they're being really frugal, they've been saving well, um, they've got a house, they've been paying off the house, but there is a different psyche to saving money and paying off a debt, <clears throat> excuse me, versus investing in assets that pay you money. It's like very, it's a weird feeling when you actually get money from an, from an asset in, in form of a dividend or rent return or anything like that. Completely different feeling. It's, it's a lot more thrilling to get a thousand dollars in a dividend check or payment, electronic payment. I hope no one's still getting, oh, well, some people still get checks, but I definitely do not get checks. Um, I actually had, Someone paid uh, at my work the other day with the check, and I and I looked at it like, wow, I have not seen a bit of paper like this in in years since my since the days I used to work at Coles. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. So the point is, you might be feeling like you want to scratch that investment itch, and I can completely understand that because that's something that I've been scratching for the last you know five or so years. And it's been really satisfying to scratch. Now, if you're in that situation, it's it doesn't hurt you. Like you can you can do both. Like you said, you can um, save the bulk of your money into a deposit for your home, and you can invest a little bit into the market and just to just to get that that snowball started, get that snowball rolling, and feeling though like you're getting like wins on the board. So, if I was in your shoes, yeah, I'd probably I'd save the good chunk of money for the deposit. And I think $5,000 a year into investments is a decent amount and it will start to, you know, you can at least dip your toes into the market and actually get started and, you know, start learning about it and get that hands-on experience in the market and investing. So that's, I think, a win-win in both situations. Now, the other part of it is, is $5,000 per year in ETFs, is that as cost-effective because you're going to be paying the brokerage fee? Now, that's a question you, you're going to have to crunch the numbers here. If you're going to divvy up that $5,000 like every month, maybe it's not cost effective because you're going to be paying $9.50, assuming that you're with Self Wealth. Uh, it might be more effective opening up an account with Vanguard and paying a slightly higher management fee, but getting like having that B pay option so you don't have to um, pay the brokerage fee of an ETF. ETF. So that's uh, if I was in your shoes, I I might look into opening up an account through Vanguard directly, and still dipping my toes into the water and just getting that um that nice feeling of starting the snowball and uh, yeah receiving some passive income. It's it's a nice feeling and it will only uh, motivate you further to you know continue on this path and eventually get to a point where you got so much your snowball is so big that um, you do not have to work, which of course then you've reached. The ultimate goal, which is what I blog about and talk about and am obsessed about, which is financial independence and to retire early one day. Hope that answers your question and good luck on your journey. Our second question today comes from Jonathan. Jonathan writes in, hi, Aussie Firebug. I just came across your blog as I was searching on how to buy Vanguard index funds, VAS and VGS. Thank you so much for your blog. You made it very easy for me to understand. I have two quick questions. One, 
I'm single, no kids or dependents. Would you recommend buying ETFs through a trust or just under my name? Is there any tax benefits when buying ETFs through a trust in my situation? And number two is from what I've read on your blog, VGS is domiciled in Australia, so you don't have to pay taxes outside Australia. Is this correct? Based on your strategy, I might invest in VAS 40% and VGS 60%. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks a bunch, Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Thank you for your question. So I'm going to answer the first, your first question uh, first, which is in regards to investing through a trust. So I've touched on it um, a few times and there was a similar question last week, but the most realistic tax minimization strategies from a trust for most people will be when their wife isn't working, when they have kids and the income can be distributed to her. Because as we know, the, uh, the one of the, the good things about a trust and why you would invest in a trust is so you have the ability for the assets or the income generated from the assets within the trust Every single year, you have the ability to distribute them to anyone within like the the rules of the trust. It's usually your family or close friends or I've got mine written, so it's basically anyone. But you can distribute the income to people at the most tax-efficient manner. Now, if we're talking about a realistic situation here, when your wife or if your wife um, has children and she's not working for you know eight or ten years – you can divert all income through that that is generated from the trust to her name. And if she's not working, she can earn up to eighteen and a half thousand dollars tax free. And you know, then you can start um, drip drip feeding it to you, or distributing it to you, or distributing it to your sister who may be you know having kids or whatever. Anyone in your family that is on a lower income than you, you can distribute it to them. So that's realistically one of the um, main advantages of a of investing through a trust. There's also asset protection from it as well. So a lot of people that are in professions that might be sued, like a doctor or you know someone like that, um, they usually invest in a trust so they can separate their assets within the trust from their personal name. So if they ever get sued, the assets in the tr- trust aren't up for grabs. So just clearing that up, in your situation, you said you've got you're single, you've got no kids or dependents. Honestly, I think if I was you, if I was in your situation, I wouldn't bother with the trust. It can play, it creates a complexity. And if I'm being honest, it, the, for for us that are looking to reach financial independence and not not looking to live a lavish lifestyle, you know, generating. Eighty, ninety, hundred thousand um, dollars worth of income, you are going to see some tax benefits investing through a trust at some point. But it's not like we've got millions or million. Well, maybe some of you had there do, but I don't ever want to have millions and millions and millions of dollars in my trust. I only really need a certain amount of money in the portfolio to be able to generate enough passive income so I can live how I want to live. And that, that once I reach that point, that will be enough. Now, if the markets do really well and, and I end up with millions of dollars, then awesome. That's that's great. But I never want to be working a job um, that I don't want to work only to just build up this enormous portfolio that's throwing out, you know, $500,000, $600,000 a year. I just do not need it. And I value my time way too much. And I want to start living 
life on my own own terms as soon as possible. So that's where I come from. So in that situation where I'm realistically only need, you know, less than a hundred thousand dollars, way less than a hundred thousand dollars. In in my case, it's it's about forty thousand dollars. Um, assuming that I have the house paid off, I'm not going to really um, benefit too much from a trust, and it's just going to create um, more complexities that then are needed. Now, I've already created the trust, so like I've already done the hard work and researched everything about it. So I'm going to continue investing invest in a trust. But for someone that's done no research in it, has never paid the money to get it set up or anything, I wouldn't bother. Honestly, for what, for what we are trying to achieve here, it's it's not a yeah necessity. You can get to the goal without it, and you're probably going to spend a lot of time um, on it and understanding it and everything like that. So. I wouldn't bother. That's what I would do if I had my time again. Now, your second question is the VGS is domiciled in Australia, so I don't have to pay taxes outside Australia. Is this correct? Um, yes, so that is correct. So when if you invest in something that's not domiciled in Australia, such as um, VTS and VEU, which is what I invest in, you have to fill out a special form. So you're not taxed twice, once by America and once by Australia. So the W8 Benny form, uh, I've got a link in the post online and where I've got a video and I show you exactly how to fill it out. If you fill that out, um, you won't get taxed twice, but honestly, there's ETFs now, there's there's different options where um, they're not, or they are, sorry, they are domiciled in Australia. Um, and in my case, so VGS, as, as you've mentioned, is a great one. So that's um, the whole world, I think, ex-Australia. So that's a really good one. Um, but in my case, there is a direct equivalent to VTS. And I think it's IVV from, um, uh, is it BlackRock or something? I'm just going to quickly Google it now. But um, basically, it's the same as, it's not exactly the same as VTS, but it's close enough. And the one of the most important things that I always say is look at the management fee. And the one, um, it's it's IVV, sorry, IVV from, um, yes, it is BlackRock. Uh, it has a management fee of four, just four basis points as well. And if I'm looking to get exposure to the US market, I'd probably go with that one because they recently changed where it's domiciled and they moved it to Australia. So it just removes a layer of complexity and I don't have to worry about filling out that form every year. So um, if I do go back into the US market, I most likely will be investing in IVV going forward instead of VTS just to save myself that, um, that hassle of filling out that form every, every couple of years. Uh, and I believe that that has answered your question. The overall, um, uh, your, your mix there from VAS 40% and VGS 60%, that's, in my opinion, a well diversified portfolio. You got, um, you know, a decent chunk of Australian shares there, benefit from franking credits, and you got 60% VGS. So that's the whole world. Um, I think that's a pretty, pretty decent portfolio myself. So, um, just do your research up to you, understand what you're investing in. Always, always do your own research. Make sure you 100%, uh, understand your strategy and are confident in it. Um, and expect the bear markets when they do arrive because they will arrive at some point. 
So I hope that hope that has answered your question, Jonathan, and thank you for writing in. Our last question for this hot Friday, I might add, 37 degrees in Victoria. I don't know what the rest of Australia is doing, but it's bloody hot today for us. Uh, it comes in from Michael. Michael writes in, Hi, Aussie. I made an observation today, which I thought was interesting. All the main indices were down. The ASX 200, the All Lords, the ASX 200 Financials, the Materials, the Industrials, yet all the larger licks I track were up, or in the case of AFIC, it was flat. Thoughts on this? Regards, Michael. Thank you, Mick, for your question. This is a very interesting question, and it intrigues me because I also noticed the same thing. I noticed it the other day, actually, when we um, recently purchased our last lot of shares last last month. I had a look at the discount that um, Milton was offering. I had a look at the discount that um, AFI was offering, and it was there was a discount. There was a um, yeah, trading at a um, a discount for Milton, I believe, but it wasn't as big as I thought it would be. And then I had a look at the um, Beta Shares A two hundred ETF, and that was way down. And I'm thinking, why is the ETF so much further down on a percentage basis than the listed investment companies? Because they track. There's a, there's a lot of crossover from the ASX 300 um, and a lot of these older listed investment companies like Argo and AFI and Milton and all that. So in theory, that should mean that their prices are linked pretty close together. So what I did, I did some uh, digging, I did some research and um, I've got it. It's obviously you can't see it, but it's on the the site. It's It's a graph and it tracks VAS, so Vanguard's Australian Index, and the AFI, the Australian Foundation Investment Company. So it tracks these uh, two, the price of these two shares, or sorry, no, the returns on the two shares over pretty much 10 years. And if you look at them over 10 years, they pretty much track how I think they would track. They essentially rise at the same time. They dip at the same time. They're, they're linked very closely. You have to obviously look at the picture to understand what I'm talking about. But over the 10 years, um, it's, they're pretty, pretty much, um, you can definitely see the correlation between the two. So I wondered why in last month's, uh, little dip there or the correction that happened, you know, why did the ETF stay flat and why did some go up where, whereas the, um, VAS and the A, a200 beta shares um, dropped so much. And I did a you know some Googling and I I'll just preface this by saying there is, I don't know the exact answer, but my take on it is ETS tr- can drop further further than listed investment companies in a bear market because listed investment companies seem to attract more long-term investors who don't get spooked by the market. Because you, you have to remember that even though they're investing in the exact same thing, if the listed investment uh, company, because it's not, because it's a closed ended structure, the, the price of the share for the lick is determined by the market. Whereas the ETF 
is it is determined by the market technically, but it's an open-ended structure and it doesn't drift away from the, the net asset value by much. It can do it by a little bit, but the listed investment company can drift a lot further away from the uh, the net asset value because if a investor comes in and offers a higher price for that listed investment company and they want to pay a premium for that, then it lifts the whole share price up to to whatever the last um, the the person or the investor bought that listed investment company uh, share at, and vice versa it can go down. But my general take on it is that. Licks seem to have a more um, mature and stable base of investors that invest through them and they don't get quite as spooked as easily as ETFs do. Now, that could be completely wrong. And if you've got a better theory than that, please um, comment in the comment section below. But that's just my take on it. And because um, there was such a difference in the percentage drops, I actually... uh, bought some A200 last month and didn't buy listed investment companies, even though um, Milton was still on a discount. I opted to go with the A200 just because it had such a uh, greater drop in percentage terms. So we'll see if that's, that pays dividends later down the track. But um, again, I don't know the exact answer, but that is just my take on it. So take that, take of that what you will, I guess. Anyway, hope that answers your question, Michael. Um, that was a good one. It was an intriguing one i quite enjoyed doing the research for that one so um kudos to you and we are now at the end of the show so i'll see you guys next week enjoy your weekend welcome to summer and that's a wrap see us